Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 46 of How Do You Write? And I'm Rachel Heron. As always, I am so pleased that you're here. I have a great show for you today, if I do say so myself. I'm talking to Michelle Gonzalez, who is a friend of mine, a local local writer who's fantastic and um, and in a, in a fun connection. She and my wife were in um, punk bands in the 90s. Not the same punk band, but they were in the same circles kind of moving around. The whole um, female punk circle was rather small, so they knew each other. And then when I reconnected them, it was super cool. And it's just really nice to talk to her on the show. You will love what she says. She's fantastic. So I can't wait for you to get into that part of the show. Before we go there, just a little update. Uh, I've got lots of energy, a lot of pep in my step today. So I, I apologize for that in a, in a sorry, not sorry kind of way. Um, let's see, over the weekend, I finished and sent out my Patreon essay, which I swear to God, I feel like was one of my best. If you are on my writing list, you got a free podcast of it, uh, which is something that is not usually open to anyone but patrons. But I ran out of things to say um, this week, and I was just up to my head in edits of the Patreon essay, so I just didn't have time to work very hard on the writer's email. So you got that instead, which is a cool perk. I hope you enjoyed it if you're on the list. If you're not on the list, why aren't you on the list? Get on my writer's list, rachelheron.com slash write, and sign up. I normally send out great emails. Um this week, it was just the podcast, but uh, uh, just just the audio of that essay. But let's see what else. I started my new class at UC Berkeley. Um, again, I'm teaching developing the novel, and I'm super excited about that. I know a couple people in the class, so that's going to be super fun. Um, I love teaching this class. In this class, basically, we start a novel. We work on a little bit of revision, we work on a little bit of the middle of the novel, and then we write the end of the novel, which is um, actually something that I make them do that I have never done myself, and I should probably do that myself. But the things that come out as you imagine the end of your book is are really, really cool. So that will be great. Also, I put the dead body into my thriller. Um, I can't remember if I was talking about it on this podcast or on my podcast with Jay Thorne, which if you're not listening to is called The Pedal to the Metal. And it's uh, really funny and fun. We have a great time. But I had this realization. Actually, I didn't have the realization. My friend Sophie told me to have this realization, uh, which is something she's very good at. She read the beginning of the thriller, which my agent and I have been workshopping. You have heard all about this. And she's like, dude, there has to be a dead body. Early, upfront, put it in there. And I rebelled. I I understand genre convention. I have never written in thriller, but I write, I, oh, sorry, I've never written in thriller, but I read it all the time. It's practically all I read lately, that and memoir. Uh, and I decided that at first I decided I could buck that con- convention, that I wouldn't need to follow it. And then I went to Amazon and I looked at every single good selling, well-written thriller out there. And they all start out with the death. I started out with a rape. Who was I to start out with the rape? And after going back and forth, 
about it with my agent, we decided that, yeah, I probably do need a dead body. And the dead body that I came up with actually works perfectly for this book. It's kind of exactly what I needed. Um, and I'd even had this character who was very minor, but pivotal in a certain way that I could easily kill off. So I did. I stuck him in a closet and I bashed his head in. And um, I got to write all the gore and ugh, and it's really, really worked. The beginning of the thriller is so much better now. Now, of course, I have to rework the rest of the book, not just those 75 pages uh, to get that dead guy in there a little bit more. But uh, that was fun. See, I told you I'm hyper today. Um, big, big shout out, like the biggest to RJ Theodore, who was listening to my episode last week. And you all other fools did not let me know. RJ sent me a text via the Patreon thing um, saying, did you know that your episode that is live includes after hours footage of you and Sarah Ramsey talking shit? (laughs) Because what I do is I record these interviews and then we say goodbye on the podcast. And then we normally, if it's a friend of mine, uh, we normally chat for a little bit. Hey, what's up? How's it going? What's your next moves? And um, oh my God, when RJ told me that, my heart just plummeted. I was panting because Sarah is one of those people I feel very comfortable around. Uh, she is one of those people that I can get a little sassy with, just a little bit. Um, there are a few people in my life that can make me misbehave. And she's one of them. And I had no idea what we talked about in that last two and a half minute episode um, that was attached accidentally to my podcast episode. I went back and listened and it wasn't bad. We just talked about how hot it was and how we didn't want to show our arms on the podcast, although I just had because it was hot. But for those two and a half minutes while I was listening, I was in terror. So thanks, RJ, uh, for letting me know. I really appreciate it. Um, More thanks go to Patreon supporters. Just real quickly, your vote, your support is that vote of confidence in me. You are a patron of the arts. And this artist sitting talking to you right now is so grateful. Even a dollar an essay, which only come out every six to eight weeks at most, um, gets you the essay and the full ebook when it's complete. Add $3 of support per essay, then you get texts from me, which you can respond back to two to three times a week, in which I just kick your butt to get down to your creative work. Um, uh, thanks and huge hugs to all and current patrons, including new patron Lon Varnador. Thanks, Lon. Um, and now let's get you into your regularly scheduled interview uh, with Michelle Gonzalez. Please enjoy, and I will talk to you soon. Let me know if there's anything on this podcast that shouldn't be at the end. Okay, thanks, y'all. Bye. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I am so pleased to welcome my friend Michelle Gonzalez here today. Hi, Michelle. 
Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm so happy to see you. Uh, let me give you a little introduction for those who might not know you. Uh, punk writer Michelle Cruz Gonzalez is the author of The Spit Boy Rule, Tales of a Chicana in a Female Punk Band, a book about her days in the groundbreaking female punk band Spit Boy. Gonzalez has contributed to Hit Mama magazine and publishes in anthologies and literary journals. She teaches English and creative writing at Las Positas College and lives in Oakland with her son, husband, and three Mexican and dogs. That's right. All <laughs> Chihuahua mixes. Beating down the door as we speak. Oh gosh, they just got in. I can't believe it. They actually just came in. <laughs> They'll hear your voice talking. Yes. Actually, my uh, listeners are well acquainted with the dog noises. So right. Oh dear. Here comes somebody now. Well, Yay. they heard you say dogs. three Mexican dogs and they came running. They're like, that's us. That's us. <laughs> um, Michelle and I know each other from the coffee house where we write. I think and right. we, we met through Gigi Pandian. Um, but I'd always seen you there working at this, at, at our same magic coffee shop and, Mm -hmm. and you still go early in the morning sometimes with her, right? I haven't in a while since she broke her foot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There was like a car issue and a foot issue. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get back into it. I was just there the other day. Yeah, I think we will. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me ask you about your writing process. Okay. I'd love to know, um, when is the best time of day for you to write and where? And for those of you watching on the video, oh my God, that is a cute dog. Okay. I know most of you are on audio, so we will not belabor it, but wow. I know. Isn't he cute? Look at the camera. Look at the camera. Oh, look at that face. He, um... Let's see. Where do I write? Where do I write? Or what's the oh, best time? time? Yeah. Um, I'm a morning person, so I really like to write in the morning. That's probably my favorite time because I feel really fresh and ready to go. Yeah. Um, and where do you I, write mostly? I write wherever. Yeah. Um, I write a lot at home on the couch with this dog on my lap. <laughs> and um, I write at the dining room table. And, and the room I'm in now, I sometimes in the summer, it's cooler down here. Ah. So I write down here because it's hot upstairs, hotter upstairs. And um, I write a lot at work, too. Like, yeah. um, you know, I'll, on my lunch, I'll do some writing for a while or I'll stay late, do some writing there. So and then at, at Zocalo Coffee House, so. which is a, a great little coffee house in San Leandro. Um, so I write wherever I can because, you know, I'm, I'm working mom and, you know. I hear I hear that a lot from the working moms, especially they they y'all don't put up much with the you can't write except for your special fancy place. No, you need to be able to write everywhere. Yeah, that's <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah, I mean. So now that leads into the next question. Then, like, how do you write? How do you write? Are you a longhand on the computer? Are you trucking your computer everywhere with you? I write on my computer on my laptop, and I um, always compose. I used to, for a while, I did occasionally composed by hand but my handwriting has gotten so bad since I type for work so much yeah that um I can't read anything I write so I can't do it that way at all and then it hurts too much so typing is definitely faster for me and um I I think I think now I'm just so used to it I feel like I think better when I'm typing um because it could match the pace of my thinking my typing can the speed yeah yeah, so I think there's more of a match with the brain speed and the hand. So um, that that seems to work best for me. Cool. And when you are running dry, how do you refill the creative well? Well, this is going to sound kind of snobby, but I never at a loss for ideas. I haven't been. Oh, you're one of those. Ever. <laughs> I'm one of those people that some some people some writers want to slap. Um, <laughs> 
Like I always have ideas for projects, like too many ideas. In fact, I've been, I'm working on a novel and I told my writing group not to allow me to bring anything else that's not the novel for the whole entire summer <laughs> because, because a writing a novel is hard and I procrastinate because uh, it's hard for me and um, well, it's hard for everybody. And B, I, I have so many ideas for other things that I always want to work on, like three million things at once. So. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Those, the rest of us envy you when we're, when we're running dry. What is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? Well, I think it's good advice, but it's not good for everybody. And that's to write every day. I, keep I mean, hearing it's, that. Yeah. yeah, advice, but it's not very practical. I mean, and the person who told me that was like a single guy with no kids. Write <laughs> like, every day. Yeah. He was our professor at Mills and he was an amazing professor, but he, you know, he really thought that people should write every day. And actually that's great advice. You get a lot of writing done. Um, you can move ahead very quickly on your writing projects if you wrote every day, but it's not practical. And for, for people who love to write and who want to accomplish a lot in writing, I think it's advice that can backfire because then it starts making you feel bad because if you hold yourself to that standard, then you start feeling guilty that you're not doing it every day. So I just try to write whenever I can. Good. Perfect. Yeah. Whenever I can. <laughs> it's often, there's a couple days, a few days in a row that I don't write at all. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not at all is a stretch because I'm always writing something, but. Well, I think, yeah, I think that nowadays we all have to be writing something, whether it's emails or blogs or whatever, right. but, right. but there's, there's never probably a week that any of us go by without anything coming out of our hands creatively. Yeah. On the weekend, usually, you know, I have my Sunday mornings and I'll do a stretch of writing. Um, so I know that if I haven't gotten any writing done, I have my two or three hour stretch on Sunday mornings, I sit down and I do it. And that way I don't lose track of my project that I'm working on, kind of forget where I am, forget what I've done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, forget the time frame. Like I'm writing this sort of like futuristic dystopian novel mm -hmm. and you know, I, I it's I have to keep track of the days of the week, which, you know, you cannot do um if you don't look at it often no, enough. You cannot. You're like, where was I again? What day of the week was it again? And then I have to keep going back and rereading it all over again. Um I've started using a Google calendar for that, a separate Google calendar, you know, like within my calendars, uh -huh. but then I have to remember to turn it off when I get to that time period, you know, like right now I'm in the middle of a book I was writing last year on mm -hmm. my personal calendar. I can see their right. dates on it. So it's, <laughs> That's it's a funny. little upsetting sometimes. She has the abortion today. Um, <laughs> you know? uh, what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? Um... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was thinking about this question in the car. <laughs> Secret writing tip of awesomeness. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I write with Ariel Gore, and she's been a big um, mentor to me. She has always just talked about how, you know, because she's did Hit Mama magazine, and her writing, her online writing class has a lot of moms in it. And so she's really spent a lot of time assuring us that, you know, you just, if you want to write, be a writer, say you're a writer. That's great advice. Good. Call yourself a writer. If you're, if you want to be a writer, it's call yourself so one. It's hard for some, for many, many people. Hard. It's very hard. And then 
don't get caught up in thinking you have to have a room of your own or a special spot or, you know, if you get caught up in all of that, you're never going to get any writing done. Um, there was, I think my most favorite advice though came from the professor told us to write every day. (laughs) He said, um, if you want to be a writer, don't go to a bunch of parties and talk about how you want to be a writer. Fucking go home and write that book. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love, that's like my favorite advice because really it's, it's about like, you know, you're not going to produce anything if you stand around talking about it. If you go on fancy vacations all the time, if you're always going to all the parties and trying to be seen all the time, you cannot get any writing done. And I, I actually sort of feel that way a little bit about certain literary scenes, like certain literary scenes are really thriving and people go out to all the readings. And I just, I cannot keep up with that. And part of it is because, you know, I just have a family and that, you know, it's part of it and I work, but the other part is I just, if I went to all the literary readings, I'd never get any writing done. Like yeah. ever, not yeah. ever. So, yeah. That's one thing I do really appreciate about, appreciate about genre writers too, is that they tend not to do all the literary scene and they tend to keep their heads down and they're just writing. You know, they're just, they're just moving forward with their work and, and, and learning. I love that you say that. I'm somewhere in between because I'm a pretty social person. So yeah, you and I both, you and I both are. We could go to all the parties. We just don't want to. Right. We just know it would be better not to. (laughs) It would be a lot better for many, many reasons. Um, Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort? Oh gosh. I know. I was thinking about this one too. Craft tip. My goodness. Um, all my tips just come from somebody else. That's, that's just, where we get all of our tips. That's okay. Right? Always gonna... attributing them to somebody else. Yeah. All right. Well, it's the same writing professor. He was so great. Which one was it? Uh, his I name's went... Leonard, Leonard Chang. He writes for oh, TV now. I never had him when I was at Milton. He um, was like a visiting professor. Oh, okay. Um, he said that when you write dialogue, a lot of people think that it should sound when people write dialogue, they tend to be like, oh, I have to make it sound just like it would sound when you were speaking. But actually, if you try to write dialogue that sounds like the way you think dialogue should sound, it sounds horrible. It like sounds terrible. There are actually some tricks to writing dialogue that um, he talked about um, that I love that I still use. And a lot of it is there's sort of like a banter that you have to create to make it sound real. And that is that a lot of the times you have the characters repeat the same words back and forth to each other. Mm. Um, And it creates a certain banter feel that mimics real dialogue. But if you try to write what you think is real dialogue, it sounds kind of stupid. Wow. Actually, that just cemented a lot of things in my brain that I've never thought of very clearly. (laughs) And you're exactly right. That's what we do. But I didn't know why we did that. So interesting. Yeah. And if you were just to put down verbatim what people say in conversation, it wouldn't work at all on the page at all, period. Totally not. And also you're not doing two things at once with dialogue, which is what you have to be doing or more than two or three things. More than two things. Yeah. With dialogue in a book. So. Oh, I know. Good point too. Oh, (laughs) wheels are turning here, people. Wheels are turning. Because like when I'm talking to Lala in my kitchen, I'm just talking. I'm not having to forward our relationship plot. I'm just talking no. about the groceries that I got. You know, or but in the book, it's more important. that means something related to some other thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or foreshadow. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I'm going to take my dialogue a lot more. Uh, I'm going to enjoy it now a lot more in, in real life. 
<laughs> okay, so on really bad days, what other profession do you wish you had if you couldn't write, if you couldn't teach? <gasps> Would you be back in I... the in Spitboy? No, just carrying drums around is so much work. Oh my god, I love playing drums, but that carrying them around really is a pain. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I think right now, because it's the end of the semester, I just fantasize about having time to just lay in the sun and read, not write, but just read. Because like when you're a writer, you should read a lot, but reading takes a lot of time, and I do read a lot. But mostly what I read is the sa- are the same books that I'm teaching. Mm. A lot of times teachers teach the same books. Not forever, but, you know, for several years in a row yeah. or several semesters in a row. Or you swap out a couple other ones. But you always – like for me, it's, I'm always teaching 1984, for example. <laughs> you must and, know it really, really, really well now. Oh, my God. I can read from – if I could get the first couple of words of a line and, like, just look up and read the rest. You know, I have a lot of it memorized. <laughs> Many passages half memorized. It's very <laughs> impressive to my students. I bet it is. I use it to impress. <laughs> it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clock was striking 13. That's the first line. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> it's been a long I don't even time know since I read that. What the question was, by the way, I've totally lost. Oh, oh uh, what other profession? Yes, profession. I just, you know, I know that to be a good writer, you have to read a lot, and I am totally committed to trying to keep up, but. I do sometimes fantasize about like time where I don't have to, I don't feel so much drive to write where I can just devour books like I used to when I was really young. I mean, I would read like a book in a whole day. I just miss that so much. Yeah, I miss that too. (laughs) I miss that. I'm trying to read more. I've recently given up like basically all social media and I've gotten a lot more time back. Yeah, I, I am know. reading more. I'm like, yeah, I need to do that. <laughs> I gave up Twitter. And I was never really on Facebook, but, uh, but yeah, I gave up Twitter. It's hard, but it works. Um, if you were starting over as a new writer right now, what advice would you give baby Michelle Ryder? Hmm. Well, I guess I say this a lot, but probably just um, call yourself a writer and make yourself a website and, you know, post some stuff and get people to read it. And, um, you know, just don't wait for some Columbus to come around and discover you really. Cause you can put out a zine, you can put, post stuff online, you can have a blog. You don't need to wait for your Columbus to come and, you know, make <laughs> you that. feel legitimate. Um, <laughs> when was the first time you said the words, I am a writer to somebody who wasn't like, you know, your husband or something? Um, Probably when Spitboy broke up because I was I wrote a lot of the lyrics for the band and so I always felt like a writer but it was writing lyrics so you don't really call yourself a writer when you write lyrics right um, but I started writing poetry actually I was writing poetry when I was in the band and I started doing poetry readings and um, um, writing kind of prose poetry and poetry and then I started writing short stories um, so probably in I don't know 1998 or something like that. Oh good. Yeah. You're really I wasn't used too to it shy about calling myself a writer. I was. I remember the first time I said it, I was at a party and like my voice shook. I just oh, remember no. thinking like I just wasn't one. I didn't feel like one. So how dare I say it? So Aww. yeah. So yeah. that's. I know. I just felt weird when I have like a book out because you do feel like a fraud sometimes. Because that know? is the when first you're... thing that somebody asks. Well, can where can I get your book? You know. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, you have a book, and then you say no, and then they're like. Pfft. You can I, see, like, they're like, 
yeah, you're a writer. Uh huh. I hate that. I hated that so so much. I hate. We got to come up with a better answer for that. Uh. <laughs> Fuck off, my work. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. You're an asshole. <laughs> and what would you like to tell us about right now? Oh, that I'm what I'm working on. Well, yeah. I'm just wait. I'm waiting to hear around for a lot of stuff. So you know, you don't want to jinx it. Yeah, but well, tell us about the tell us about the Spitboy role. Well, the Spitboy role is a memoir. And um, I've written two memoirs. One's unpublished, so I'm trying to publish um, the first one. And the first one is kind of like my life before Spitboy. And then the Spitboy role is about being in a uh, the only Chicana in a female punk band in the '90s. And um, you know, of course, I wrote that bio, so I I got to call us a, a groundbreaking punk band. But but you were like my wife, who was in I, a queer punk band, knew your band in the '90s. You know, that's you so it's were. actually oddly true it's a weird thing for me to say but it's actually oddly true and you know if you weren't in punk you might not know who spitboy is but if you were in punk you know you know there's still spitboy is still a frame of reference for a lot of people um so um the book is about that and i just recently went to the la times book festival i was on a panel oh how cool how fun but um it was interesting um it was a panel with other punk rockers and they were all they were all guys so it's just We'll just leave it there. <laughs> and, um, but, um, it's been a year since the book came out and I'm still doing events and readings. And it's been really fun. It's been a really, really fun experience for me. And, um, um, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it slowing down a little bit so I can focus in the summer on writing and, um, the novel. And like I said, I'm waiting to hear back from some things that hopefully will work out. So. Ooh, all fingers crossed. Cross everything. Okay, it will do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Michelle. It has been a delight, and I hope that I get to see you in person one of these days soon. I know it's been a while. You only live like a street. I know, (laughs) I know, and I never ever see you. So, all right. Well, take care. Cut all those dogs, and we'll talk soon. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write. You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.